Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 203 of the Apple and Apps and App Addict Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppleAndApps.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we search through the App Store jungle to solve the call of the wild through a banner week of new releases. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. Yes, it was a banner week of new releases. Lots of uh, stuff to take your time. I like I my birthday was this past Friday, so my weekend was like filled with my party. My daughter's party is coming up. Her birthday is coming up this week, and then lots and lots of gaming on on my iPad because there was so much good stuff released. Yeah, lengthy stuff. Yes, again, yeah. And then a collective happy birthday from all me and all of our listeners. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> And so there's not the most Apple news going on. I mean, we've had the events. We know that there's going to be new MacBooks by the time we reach the end of October. But we're just starting out in October. So in the meantime, there's going to be apps. And the first one is iLondon. It's from the makers of iPo and iDoyle. And they've created classic animated new editions of famous books and stories that you know. But they just keep going to different authors. And now they've tried their craft for Jack London stories. Yeah, so this is it's a, to put out now because it's a celebration of the 100 years since the death of Jack London and it's three of his short stories. So these aren't like the big stories like White Fang and Call of the Wild. These are perhaps lesser known but small stories that they can do their craft where they do an amazing job of taking these tales and making this whole interactive experience with beautiful illustrations, little like things you can interact with that you just tap around the screen and you find all these little kind of Easter eggs of things you can tap on and interact with. And then you just get this wonderful story that just comes to life because of all of this work that the iClassic guys have, have put into this. And it just makes the, the whole story that much better. Yeah, they really do a good job because it's not just like little animations. They like the entire background of the text is living and moving to fit what text is on the screen. And it brings these stories to life to accent your imagination and just offer that kind of almost cinematic feel without having to, you know, that you still have the full on text to read, but it accents it with video and audio to immerse yourself in the story. Right, yeah, and they even put some specs into the the App Store description where there's like 81 different interactive elements in this app, and there's 47 illustrations. There's like they hired five different artists to do the art in this, and it it's just beautiful. And going there's three different stories within this app, and you go from story to story, and the art style is just different in each one. So it, each one feels unique, and they do an art style that the best captures the story that they're telling. And then there's just whole beautiful original soundtracks that play. And you can turn that off if you find it distracting. But for me, I just put on headphones and I read through these and it just brings you right into the tale that, that you're reading. And I, I've, I've grown to love these apps. Like each one, like these aren't stories I would normally probably even read except for maybe the, the Edgar Allan Poe, which I was familiar with those stories. But these I probably wouldn't have been exposed to them other otherwise if it weren't for these apps and it's just probably the best way to read them honestly yeah they've done a really good job to just make it like a 
different experience. Like you might have read these stories before, but it still can feel brand new just with the scene that they've created. And then if you haven't read them, like say you just have read Jack London's major works, this gives you kind of that introduction where you're familiar with the author, but you get to see other work that they've done. Yep. And so that's I London. It's it's two ninety nine, which is a special launch price, and then it's going to be going up to four ninety nine, and I believe it is a universal app. Yeah, and so that's pretty much the apps of the week. So that means it's time for new games, and as usual, there's a bunch. The first one is going to be Banner Saga two, and so the first one came out, I think, in the end of two thousand fourteen. That sounds right. Yeah, and <laughs> it it was. You know, at the time, well, even still today, it was a really deluxe iOS offering. It came over from the PC, and it offered this Viking kind of Norse mythology mixed in with an entirely new storyline. And you have, like, this survival adventure game that is coupled with turn-based strategy. So you have these individual battles where you have your Vikings and humans working together to fight these essentially mechanical enemies called the drawn the i forget what they're called i forget what they're called <laughs> but anyway you're fighting these mechanical enemies and you're going to do that while also moving your collective kind of uh city essentially because you have to pick up roots of everyone and move to make it to this human city for your kind of last wall of defense. And so Banner Saga 2 essentially picks up the story. And if you never finished the first one or you never even played the first one, the sequel starts off with kind of an introductory cutscene to get you up to speed on everything that happened. And then you can start off or you can always choose to wait and go back to the first game it, but the thing is Benner Saga 2 can stand alone and you're just picking up and continuing the story right yeah so the 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 creatures were called the dredge i, yeah, I, dredge. I looked it up yes, yes. I, I, I couldn't stand not to know uh yeah so i i originally played a little bit of the first one i came into the first one late on it like i think it already like there was a ton of buzz and i just i didn't have time to pick it up and then i came into the the first one late and played some of it but never quite finished it and so coming in i just watched that little recap video they offer and i'm like oh yeah okay i remember some of this stuff but obviously i never quite finished it but so if you're playing and playing the first one you definitely don't want to jump right into the second one because it will spoil how the first one ends but you can just jump right into the second one. It seems like they've kind of uh, polished it up a bit and and almost like kind of tightened up the gameplay a little bit more. But it's this beautiful illustrations and there's a whole story that unfolds and you're making decisions on decision trees to try to drive that narrative forward. But then, like you said, you come to these points where it's then it's a kind of a straightforward uh turn-based strategy game where you're moving your various troops you see like how the troops are going to be able to move and fight down at the bottom of the screen they give you the the order of how you're going to be able to battle and that helps you plan out your moves so you know this is the first guy i'll be able to move or or girl and then you can line up your troops and really play tactically to figure out exactly how you're going to destroy these dredge and then be able to move forward and it's just really engrossing and you're just because of the whole animations and narrative portions that are there, 
it just makes you want to go from battle to battle. They could have just as easily made this just no narrative and have these battles and you just went in and battled. But because there's that whole story there, it really kind of creates this whole experience that you want to play through. Yeah, part of me wants to say go play the first because the first is such an excellent iOS gaming experience, but also just kind of a reminder, you don't have to. But as you once you decide to go with Bonner Saga 2, you're not going to want to go back. So you want to keep that kind of in mind if you ever have any intentions of kind of playing the first one. It's kind of like when we were talking about Sorcery last week and starting with Sorcery 4 versus going back to the original. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of a you're drawing that line in the sand if you haven't played the first one. If you just decide to jump in, because odds are you're not going to go back if you play starting from the second one. But it's your choice. You can just jump right into this one, and if as long as you watch that little video, you kind of understand who the characters are. There will be a little learning curve on the actual tactical gameplay, but they still do like a an intro to kind of teach you the basic moves and how it all works how the whole system works so you don't have to worry about that and the game is absolutely gorgeous like it looks like a painting in motion when you have your caravan of ships going down the river oh yeah i mean it looks like you're watching like a animated feature film like a high quality animated feature film like one that would be academy award nominated kind of thing yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. And then they do so much to the storyline. It could be like its own kind of movie, standalone story without any of the gameplay elements included. And then you couple that with the two different ways to play. So you have that kind of decision engine set up like a point-and-click adventure almost where you have to choose the cho- uh, the different quotes in response when you're in discussions with other characters and then you also have to choose like do I want to stand at this point if there's a blockade in the river or I might have to face some enemies or do I try to ram through and possibly damage my ship so you have that decisions and then you're going to actually get into that tactical strategy system which also stands on its own on its own. So they could have chose, they, like you said, could have made just a strategy game where you go from battle to battle, or they could just made like a point and click adventure story game, but instead they combine them both together. Right. Yeah. It's cool that you get both. Cause you kind of get that little break of, it's not just one thing all the way through. You get these breaks in the action to fight the battle yourself. So you're not just watching it happen or making decisions text-based for these battles. You're actually fighting them out, and hopefully you're going to win. And if you take damage, now you got to figure out what to do. So it's, it's just a really well-made game. And it seems like the sequel, the actual battle, really amp- like it amps up the strategy. So there's a lot more varying tactics to deal with because you have like six different units who all have their own kind of specials as well as range and then attack power and so do the enemies i mean each enemy has a shield power as well as a health and you have to choose essentially each move just for an attack which one you want to attack and that's before you get into position and then even before a match starts you get to choose what sequence your characters will go into so you can have a particular big Viking go first. You want to make sure that your archer might be in the back and protected by a Viking, but always have like a turn that's at the relatively beginning of the set of turns. So you have that long range attack and you change your strategy as you go and you deal with losing units. They'll count injuries that sustain across your entire adventure. So you want to make sure you don't have your units take too much damage as you go as well. 
Right. You can't just go brute force into this. You really have to be tactical about how you arrange things. And that's why I really like that how they show you how people are going to fight in the bottom, like where they show you the exact order uh, so you can plan ahead. So you're not just, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. And then now all of a sudden you kind of put someone in a in a very vulnerable place where you can kind of plan ahead and you really have to if you want to survive. And it just uh, – yeah, I mean I, that's – it just really appeals to me the way they've set all this stuff up. Yep. And that's Banner Saga 2. It's four ninety nine, and it's universal. And so that means up next is Concrete Jungle, which is a pretty interesting game because when I first saw it, it seemed like it was like a SimCity type of building game. And then you actually play it, and it turns out it's more of like a puzzle game. It even has like elements of Tetris or Threes or Triple Town in that you need to, you have different type of building units you can place in your city. And each column in your city needs to have a certain point, a certain tally of score based on how many residents are in good standing. And each of the different units, like a house is just one single unit, but then you'll have like a school, which credits points in a cross around it so each four points spreading around it will get bonuses but then you might have a factory where each four points around it are negatives so you want to make sure that you put all your units into the proper places because in your column you only have a set number of sections you can actually place buildings so you need to make sure you get that column point up while placing the houses in particular tiles that have bonuses from the other buildings you've placed and avoid all the negative bonuses you might have racked up as well yeah this one's really hard to describe it is so, <laughs> so basically what you have is you have a five by five grid i believe it is to start and each of those columns on there you need that like you said that score total that you need to get once you've placed houses or buildings on there you need to meet a certain goal and then if you, on the leftmost one once that one meets that goal that one disappears and then a new clean one appear uh, column appears on the right and you're basically trying to do as many of these as you can to fill up this little meter and then you get to move on to the next level and and just like you i thought this was some sort of a sim city game and then you start seeing and it's like all these little unique tiles that come out it almost feels like like a board game almost where you have these tiles that come out and they like you said they have the various things around the center where they either do a plus or a negative to the squares to various squares around them so you have to really plan out not only the the leftmost column which is the one you're trying to clear you have to plan everything out because if you have one that maybe the it has three bad like three negatives on the right side then you can place it all the way to the right side of your grid and then those three negatives aren't even on the grid and that way you can kind of burn those negatives and never actually use the negatives so it, there's a lot of planning that has to go on you have to figure out exactly how you're going to do this and the first few times i played i'm like this is impossible i just kept on losing and losing and then finally i kind of took my time and really tried to look at what the different tiles were going to do and plan everything out as much as i could and then i easily passed that level that i had struggled with so many times before because i just 
really looked at it in a different way. But this one really surprised me. I had no clue this was even coming. I guess they had uh, another game back in 2011, and this kind of like a sort of sequel to it, but I never played it. It was called like Mega City, I think. I never even heard of it. Yeah, I never even heard of it. I just saw in the app description and said this is the sequel to Mega City. Yeah, they really did a good job to make a compelling puzzle experience that feels brand new. Like, not only do you want to complete a column, but you have this whole city building mentality. And like I said, with the Tetris comparison, you essentially have these, it's like making lines in text Tetris, where that leftmost column you need to always clear, but you can kind of save spots open for it and start filling in the second third and fourth and if you do that once you fill in that leftmost column any other columns that have reached the tally that you need automatically go off the board so you get a combo just like clearing multiple lines in tetris and that's how you rack up the score to go for the three-star scoring system like the first level you complete in the second level you realize that there's actually this whole score component it's not just filling in the grid to make a possible filled in city and then as you go you're going to get new kind of tasks and more complex cities where you have a terrible mayor who builds an amusement park in the middle of the city or he builds like this ring of houses around a factory and you have all these negative squares that you have to overcome with the proper placement of the different tiles yeah it's like a whole campaign that you're playing through there's this whole story that plays through as you're going through as well i think there's also other modes that you can unlock as you go, but uh, you start off going through this campaign mode, and I think there's a total of somewhere around 200 of these different tile types. So there's all different combinations you can end up having, and then you'll first you can just only use whatever the the top tile on the pile is, but then eventually they start giving you the ability to do choose between the two that are currently visible so the you the more and more strategy as you go and you can plan ahead a little bit better as you start to dive more into the game and learn i mean it's pretty obvious what these tiles do but then you gain experience with them you know oh this combination of tiles will help me just get a plus two in this one area and i that'll be no problem whatsoever i just need one of those to come up so you start to learn them and you can kind of plan ahead because you know what kind of tiles you want to wait for and look for yeah and then you can also unlock new tiles like you said there's over 200 included and you start off with a base set of 12 and then as you fill in the city and complete levels you'll have an indicator on the upper right where you can add in new titles tiles so you can add in a theater which might be good on one particular side or a restaurant that's good or bad or it's good on one side bad on the other and you have all these new tiles like a duplex that can self-sustain its point total you can make blocks where you combine houses together and then you have these tiles that can inverse the score so maybe you have a negative three on one tile you can put, build that thing there and then it makes it a plus three and so you have all these different tiles to include and go through to help you with the ever-increasing challenges of these new levels yep yeah the one thing i will say about this is it definitely works better on an ipad i think if you had like a larger like a plus screen it it'll work well on that too but i can't imagine playing this on on a regular smaller iphone or even a smaller ipod touch screen it's it's, there's a lot that you kind of have to see but i don't know did you play it on your phone at all or not no i just played on the ipad okay yeah i would definitely recommend like a larger screen just because you really want to see what's going on with these various tiles yeah just 
concrete jungle, it's a definite surprise in like a good way. And it's it's one that I didn't expect to enjoy as much because I didn't know what it was. But once you start playing it, you'll easily be hooked, especially with that level-based story setup. So you have incentive to go to the next level to see what that new scenario you're dealt. And you pick up on the more intricacies of the various tiles and how you can put them together. Yep. And so that's Concrete Jungle. It's $4.99 and it's universal. And then there's Agatha Christie, The ABC Murders. And if you're ever familiar with any kind of Agatha Christie books, there are a ton of them. They're all mystery books. And so it seems well-formed to make kind of a point-and-click adventure game where you have a case to solve. As I'm playing it, it was really easy to kind of compare it to The Trace, but it has that Agatha Christie theme where you're going to play as Hercules Perot, which is one of... So with Agatha Christie books, there's like a few main detectives that are used. And so... Perot is one of the main ones, and so you get to play as him, and you have a few different sequences you're going to go through. So you have, like, interrogation of the suspects, and that will have a choice-based dialogue system, and then you'll investigate the crime scene, and you'll need to go point-and-click adventure style, and then once you find some clues, you're going to piece them together in a web, kind of like the trace, but then you'll also come across, like, boxes and cabinets that have various lock mechanisms where it's kind of like the room where you need to figure out how to unlock them so it has these various few different pieces going on but then it still has that classic agatha christie mystery novel story going yeah like there's it's a great combination of mechanics like like exactly what you just laid out where you have these puzzle mechanics you have the point and click style you have the decision trees and then that little web where you're taking your clues and combining them to basically solve answer questions that you might have about what the motive was or the the reason for the death and and all these various pieces work together to create this really kind of unique experience where you've just taken all the best of the various genres of games but now wrapped it within this agatha christie novel style and you, i mean it's all voice acted too all of the dialogue is voice acted and then you have uh just as you're walking around the one piece that i that i kind of annoyed me a little bit was every single thing you can click on when you're investigating is pointed out to you so everything has a dot anything you can interact with while you're searching for clues where I felt like it's kind of giving it to you at that point. Like I'd rather be the guy, the detective trying to figure this out, tapping on things kind of blindly. I know we kind of complained about it last week with Primordia, like we didn't know what to tap on, but I think with the detective mystery kind of thing that works better than kind of telling you, these are all the various things you should tap on, and then you just kind of sequentially work your way through them. I think it just would have been a little bit better if they had or had the ability to turn it off so that you kind of just tap around, try to figure out, and that way you don't know everything you need to, to go and look at. Yeah, that's definitely true. I I mean, you kind of start going through a checklist of things you know these certain points are over here and these certain points are over here that you're going to have to tap through and you're going to look at every single thing to complete the current objective the main challenge came in when you got to any of those actual like puzzle sequences or trying to sus interrogate a suspect and not push them away but actually investigating a crime scene it didn't seem more like an investigation but more of a chore list 
Right. It, well, even because they have like the list of investigate such and such, and you have to check that off once you finish it. So you would still know if there were things that you had to look at that you hadn't looked at yet. If you saw that that objective wasn't checked yet, which so I think it would still work. And it, then that would be your one hint that maybe you need to look a little bit more. And I I just think it would have been better for that. But other, I mean, I, it's not saying that I didn't, I, I'm not really enjoying the game because I am. And, and just because of all, especially those puzzle elements where you're trying to open various boxes and other things and get to those. The, the one other part that seemed a little weird that uh, was when you're, there's like this kind of like, everything looks blurry and then you tap and you're looking closer at objects and it seemed to like give me a you found the area you're supposed to click on to search even though i was way away from where i was supposed to actually tap i don't know it just seemed like it was pretty forgiving rather than making me really tap on the the area they expected me to tap on i had to tap and hold to drag that was that warmer colder thing and it becomes greener when you're warmer to where you need to be no, not that. I'm talking oh. about when everything's blurry and then you there's like three various things you need to look closer at. They have a, several of those. And you basically tap in and then it becomes focused. And then it, you see one of your little things checks off that you found when it says good for looking at such and such. And then uh, I don't want to give anything away, but they there were like some of those where I was like way on the other side of the screen tapping and it seemed to recognize that I found the third one. Oh, OK. I was thinking more of that hotter, warmer thing where you like pinpoint and zoom in where you drag your finger and hold okay okay but yeah i i know what you're saying the one thing about each of the points that are highlighted each one does open more of the story you're not tapping on it and just looking at an item each one comes with a little bit of story voice dialogue to kind of develop further the mystery and open up potential suspects yeah, and, and some of them, there'll be objects where now you have to turn them around and look at them to find clues on them as well. So it's not just, yeah, you're not just tapping for the sake of tapping and nothing happens. Some of them you'll go in and actually have more to do. It's just they're shown where you need to tap. And then the overarching storyline is going to keep you intrigued to figure out the mystery because I've never read an Agatha Christie book, but I know of them, and I know that usually whoever you think did it didn't actually end up doing it. So there's some of the best like pure mystery kind of twist at the end ideas. So the story in this one is based on a particular book, but if you haven't read the book, you'll definitely be interested to see what happens. Yeah. The Agatha Christie's have good red herrings to try to lead yeah. you down the wrong, the wrong path. And then you're like, Oh, why did I fall for that? But they, they do it to you. And so that's Agatha Christie, The ABC Murders, and it's six ninety nine. It's universal. Okay, and then one last one I just want to mention was uh, Paperback the Game, which this is a digital implementation of a, a word-building, deck-building card game uh, that's like a physical game. And now it's been turned into a digital app. And basically the way the game works is you are – there's a common set of cards, and these cards have – either a single letter or they have uh, like maybe an uh, T-E or an E-D or some other common combination of letters that you can use to form a word. And basically everyone is dealt a common set of cards. They each have their, uh, the same initial 
actual sets of cards, which consists of some wild cards and then some basic letters. And on your turn, you basically take the five top cards off your deck and you try to build a word with them. The different letters are worth different amounts of money. So when you play a word, say you play the word house, you would get each of those letters is worth some amount of money. The money you get from playing that word, you can then buy new letters from the common area of letters, and then that helps you build better words going forward. Everything's dealt out, and you just get like a random set of cards from your your deck until you run through your deck, and it gets shuffled, and then you, like any kind of deck building game. And the goal is to basically finish these like kitschy novels, which they're at the top of the screen and each of them are, are worth a certain amount of points. So once two of those piles of those novels are purchased, then the game's over. But the, the higher amount of money that you can form from your word, the better one of those cards you can buy, and then it'll earn you more points toward the end game. So it's kind of this whole balancing act where you're trying to build words, buy better letters, and then you got to figure out when you should be buying letters versus buying points. And But if you buy letters, then there's a better chance that you'll be able to build better words to buy these higher, more, uh, higher point value uh, books. And then on the letter cards themselves, there's also the possibility that they have like a special ability. And these might let you draw more cards to build like on your next turn. If like, say you play this E that says three more cards in your next turn. So your next turn, instead of five cards, you'll get eight cards to try to form a word. So you can probably fill, form a bigger word, or you might get one that sets uh, all your wild cards are now worth two points. Uh, two cents. So now you'll be able to earn more more money on that next turn, and then you'll be able to uh, purchase better cards or one of these books. So it's just a really interesting way of doing a word game where it's this whole deck building element as well, and it just kind of completely changes that dynamics. I'm not really usually a word game person because I'm a horrible speller and I can never think of good words, but this one really appealed to me because it has that whole deck building element to it and i actually own the physical game as well and it's just uh, a really well done implementation it doesn't have multiplayer yet but that's coming or online multiplayer i should say you can play up to four players uh locally and you can have uh like pass and play so you basically make a word pass it to the next player and then or you can play against AI players, and there's two different levels of AI that you can play against. Uh, so there's a lot of replayability here, just even without the online multiplayer, because you can just keep on playing against, and you always get different deals of cards. So uh, there's lots of replayability. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you own the physical version and how it compares. I do. I haven't actually sat down to play the physical version. I, so I got it actually in a trade on, on Board Game Geek, so I haven't sat down to play it yet because I think it's a little too difficult for my daughter. My daughter, my nine-year-old, is tends to be my person I play most of my board games with. And so for her, a word game is not necessarily the best thing where me and her are playing against each other. So I, I kind of really wanted to play this just so I could learn the app and uh, learn the, the game as well. So it's kind of a, a way to teach me how to play the physical game. And then I can uh, maybe try it with her. I think she's still a little young to, to play it. I, I think maybe she could come up, but I think it's the type of thing she would get a little frustrated with. 
but I mean, definitely like graphics wise, it looks identical to the to the actual physical game, and it looks like they did a really good job of translating the physical game to the uh, digital form. Excellent. And so, you're so when the you say the deck building, you're adding different kinds of letter types. Yeah, so you're buying actual letters. So on the cards, it'll have like an a, a, any letter of the alphabet, or it'll have like a combination of two letters on it. And then these go into your deck of cards. So then on your turn, you're basically dealing out five cards from the top of your deck. And so you would play, you'd then use those letters, and you can take a common letter as well to form a word. And then those letters have certain uh, money uh values on them and those and then so the money you you purchase you earn from playing your word all the different letters have different uh amounts that you can buy that letter for or that card for it so you'll have certain cards that are dealt out you don't have a choice of anything you have a choice of just what happens to be the top cards that have been dealt out for purchase to for anyone to purchase and then when you purchase one of those, it slides out and then a new card slides in to replace it. And so it's just this constant playing words to earn money to then buy new cards. And then they go into your deck and you don't know what's going to come out of your deck. So you can't really plan. You know that it would be useful to have an ED to form uh, like a, a, a longer word that has those extra letters on the end. And maybe that ED is going to earn you four cents if, it's played so you really want to uh purchase cards that are going to earn you money or they'll help you form words more quickly okay makes sense and so that's paperback the game it's yeah it's uh universal and it's 3.99 and i know before we ended oh yes so yeah so just one other thing that just came out uh which i had mentioned because i saw it at pax east uh, this past year, uh, earlier this year, and it's by Brain and Brain who did Doggins, and this is Burly Men at Sea, which is their new kind of adventure game with that neat drag to to open up the world style. And it's basically these three bearded brothers that go on a seaworthy adventure, and it's uh, it's longer than Doggins, and it's definitely uh, worth taking a look. And that one is four ninety nine Universal as well. And I think that's everything for episode 203. Yep, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.